So, Mike, we have some more AI content for listeners today. No, are we are we bringing back assistant? <laughs> no, no, I actually didn't book them in time, <laughs> but we are going to dive into the fascinating topic of AI regulation. There's so much cool stuff happening with AI. Isn't there something more exciting? Yeah, probably. I mean, there's there's so many incredible use cases, right? There's like new companies being founded every day. But as many incredible use cases as we're seeing, there's just as many nefarious use cases that are being created. And we as a society, we really should get serious about setting up the framework for continued development of this technology so that we don't, you know, uh, end our own existence here in the next 20 years. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And it's a tricky balancing act. You know, we want to regulate without stifling innovation. Yeah. And to be honest, I kind of like this stuff. I'm the son of a tax judge. So like, <laughs> I enjoy the conversation about the regulatory aspect as much as the technology in some ways. Well, I don't know a lot of people that would say that, Michael. So <laughs> with all that said, let's roll this intro before we dive too deep into artificial intelligence and the conversation around regulating it. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka, and I'm Mike Belsito. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort 
product-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us, go to gigantic.is, that's gigantic.is, and save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. All right, so the advent of ChatGPT, ChatGPT4, has marked a significant turning point in the development of artificial intelligence with wide-ranging implications for the public discourse about the potential risks and benefits of AI for society. Practitioners, policymakers, and experts across various fields have raised concerns regarding the challenges posed by AI-generated disinformation, as well as the existential risks associated with superhuman intelligence whose goals may not align with human humanity's best interests. With the pace of AI development continuing to accelerate at an unprecedented pace, government regulation has largely failed to keep the pace with these advancements, with some measures taking years, if not decades, to be implemented. This discrepancy has resulted in a regulatory gap that has allowed AI technologies to develop and proliferate without adequate oversight or safeguards in place. Furthermore, industry lobbying efforts have further exasperated these issues, delaying the implementation of much-needed regulatory frameworks and undermining public trust in big tech companies. Given these challenges, there is a pressing need for policymakers to explore and implement effective measures that can mitigate the potential harms of AI while ensuring continued innovation and development. In this regard, there's three potential high-impact initiatives that are worth considering. Yet these include allowing private citizens to sue under California's bot transparency law, mandating that cloud providers abide by, quote, know-your-customer requirements for users of -of state-of-the-art AI processing chips and requiring that government agency media be subject to digital authenticity standards to prevent the spread of disinformation. And we're going to talk about these a little bit later in the show. We're actually going to walk through each one. But there is also potential pushback from industry actors regarding these very measures. And there's necessary steps towards developing a responsible and sustainable regulatory framework for artificial intelligence that balances the need of innovation and public safety. In light of the challenges posed by the rapid pace of AI advancements and the slow pace of regulatory efforts, it would be beneficial to see governments and regulators identify swift and effective measures to mitigate potential harms associated with AI. But to be honest, I doubt we're going to see this happen anytime soon. I mean, look, Congress is never going to get it done and neither are the federal courts. But there is an opportunity at the executive and the state level, at least for near-term progress. But it's important to acknowledge that any regulations that may be an inconvenience to like corporate AI research and development, they're likely to face significant pushback from tech lobbyists who are incredibly powerful. Lately, they've all been yelling China, right, to undermine support for such measures. And what they mean by that 
is, well, China is advancing so quickly, so do we. We need to keep up. But I don't know if that's the right answer. Yeah, and so quick action may be limited to measures that don't significantly burden tech companies themselves, which most likely won't have the breadth and depth needed to regulate effectively. And this is becoming a bigger talking point in the media now. Here's Sam Lesson of Slow Ventures on CNBC discussing the topic. People are right to be concerned. I mean, the technology is unbelievably cool and unbelievably useful in specific ways, but it also can be applied in very scary ways. And there's almost there's no government oversight of any of this. You know, a lot of technologists push on this question of how do you regulate the silicon? How do you kind of control who has the power to kind of do these kinds of computations at scale? I think that's a little bit misdirection, candidly. It's much simpler than that, which is these are all models that were trained off of the Internet. They're trained off of, you know, copyrighted data in a lot of cases. And if we just said to everyone, hey, chill out, let's do the simple thing first, which is say you guys used a bunch of scraped data you didn't really have the right to use to build these things. Stop that and then force people to opt in uh, to actually allow their data to be used in these models. You'd buy yourself quite a bit of time to figure out whatever you want to do next, because all of a sudden these models which are very cool, can still be used for all the you know protein folding you want and all the positive stuff, but a lot of the most scary stuff comes off the table pretty quickly. It's a simple and interesting concept that would help to slow down the pace of data ingestion, at least. You know, I actually saw this clip the other day on the European approach regulation that was pretty interesting. Uh, so the EU, it's in the middle of finalizing the EU Artificial Intelligence Act, which is a globally first-of-its-kind attempt at horizontal AI regulation. Here's a clip from Dragos Todorash, member of the European Parliament and co-author of the EU AI Act, here in this interview with the Center for Strategic and International Studies. I think the, the moment that the Commission started preparing itself mentally for <laughs> regulating AI, I think initially they also looked at the tradition that we had in having product safety sectorial legislation and they kind of thought of taking a similar approach. But I think the, the, the way also the discussions in other multilateral fora uh, were evolving in terms of producing general principles on AI, I think that's when the Commission realized that the better approach would be this sort of horizontal risk-based approach. Um, and I happen to believe that this is the right way of, of regulating at, at, at this stage. And then right now what you have is a bit of a blend. Uh, in fact, the text is a bit of a hybrid between the approach that the Commission has taken so far in dealing with product safety and this sort of horizontal risk-based uh, setting of rules, of generic rules, to apply across the board, but for specific use cases in, in, in different domains. So it's, a, it's certainly an innovation, uh, which of course makes the, the negotiations even more of a challenge. But I am confident the, the final product will be something that would help set a course. And hopefully, if we work well, and if we also work well with our like-minded partners, would also be a good model for how we write rules of AI also at, uh, at the world stage. The proposed legislation, the Artificial Intelligence Act, focuses primarily on strengthening rules around data quality, transparency, human oversight, and accountability. It also aims to address ethical questions and implementation challenges in various sectors ranging from healthcare and education to finance and energy. The cornerstone of the AI Act is a classification system that determines the level of risk an AI technology could pose to the health and safety or fundamental rights of a person. The framework includes four risk tiers, unacceptable, 
high, limited, and minimal. Now, there's a lot more to get into here, so let's take a quick break now and we'll come right back to get more into it. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. This episode is brought to you by Yahoo Finance. Wouldn't it be great if you could see all of your investment and retirement accounts in one place? With Yahoo Finance, you can consolidate your views with multiple accounts into one hub and access the expert analysis you need to tend to your entire portfolio with confidence. Honestly, this has been a lifesaver for me. I've used Yahoo Finance to consolidate all of my various 401k and investment accounts so I can see everything all in one place. And it makes it incredibly easy to manage. So if you're struggling with that, check out Yahoo Finance. For over 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart a great investor. And that's how Yahoo Finance ensures that you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. So go to yahoofinance.com That's yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. So before the break, we were discussing the EU AI Regulatory Act that aims to address some of the growing problems and concerns governments and citizens around the globe are having around the development of this artificial intelligence. And this proposal is probably the most robust piece of legislation put forward to date. Uh, Now, before the break, we were getting into the risk levels built into the act that would help identify low, medium, and high-risk activities. That's right. So AI systems with limited and minimal risk, like spam filters or video games, they're allowed to be used with little requirements or other transparency obligations. Systems deemed to pose an unacceptable risk, like government social scoring and real-time biometric identification systems in public spaces. Now, they are prohibited with little exception under the law. Now, high-risk AI systems are permitted, but developers and users must adhere to regulations that require rigorous testing, proper documentation of data quality, and an accountability framework that details human oversight. AI deemed high risk includes autonomous vehicles, medical devices, and critical infrastructure machinery, uh, to name a few. Those aren't the only ones. The proposed legislation also outlines regulations around so-called general purpose AI, which are AI systems that can be used for different purposes with varying degrees of risk. Such technologies would include like a large language model generative AI system like ChatGPT. The Artificial Intelligence Act proposes steep non-compliance penalties. For companies, fines can reach up to 30 million euro or 6% of global income. Submitting false or misleading documentation to regulators can result in big fines too. Yeah, the proposed laws also aim to establish a European Artificial Intelligence Board which would oversee the implementation of the regulation and ensure uniform application across the EU. The body would be tasked with releasing opinions and recommendations on issues that arise, as well as providing guidance to national authorities. 
once the European Parliament adopts its own position on the legislation, EU interinstitutional negotiations, a process known as trilogues, will begin to finalize and implement the law. Trilogues can vary significantly in time as lawmakers negotiate sticking points, revise proposals. When they're dealing with complex pieces of legislation like the Artificial Intelligence Act, EU officials say that trilogues are often pretty lengthy processes. But not everyone is excited. Here's senior analyst Benjamin Muller discussing the European Union's proposed Artificial Intelligence Act from the YouTube channel Data Innovation. This law will actively hinder the EU's declared goal of raising the share of European businesses that use AI from its current 7% to 75% by the end of the decade. As it stands, the proposed law will deter investment into European startups. It will slow down the digitization of the economy with all the attendant opportunities for economic growth, productivity improvements, and scientific discovery that it offers. And it will encourage a brain drain of European entrepreneurs the jurisdictions where they can build AI companies with fewer hurdles than they face here in Europe. Getting AI regulation right is critical to help Europe succeed in building and adopting AI in a manner that is safe and benefits society. AI is going to transform our world in the next couple of decades. It's going to unlock enormous economic value and offer tremendous potential for our scientific discovery. It's really important that Europe sees this opportunity to flourish in the 21st century, creates the right conditions rather than making it more difficult for European entrepreneurs who wish to take part in this coming artificial intelligence revolution. And it's a good point. I mean, there needs to be a balance. Now, what are our options in the United States? That and more coming up after a quick break. Before the break, we were discussing the EU AI Act and Europe's approach to regulation. But what about here in the United States? And Canada? Y yes, and Canada too. Uh, <laughs> now, here in North America, there's also growing concern about the negative effects of artificial intelligence and the unregulated market that AI is currently being developed within. So the call for regulation is getting louder and louder. Here's Scott Galloway talking with Anderson Cooper on CNN. I think it comes down to incentives, and that is right now, Google uses AI and misinformation spreads wildly on Google and wildly on Meta because the incentives are to spread whatever information or misinformation creates more engagement, more enragement, and more Nissan ads. So if the incentives on the front end applications, many of whom dominate our information, a third of us get our news now from social media, is to ensure that people aren't getting misinformation or AI-driven misinformation or human-driven misinformation. They'll figure out the motives. I don't think it's about the technology. I think it's about the incentives. So earlier in the show, you mentioned three potential paths forward. First, allowing private citizens to sue under California's bot transparency law. That could help hold AI systems accountable for their actions and provide greater transparency regarding the use of automated accounts. Second, mandating that cloud providers abide by know your customer requirements for users using those state-of-the-art AI processing chips. And then third, requiring government agency media to follow digital authenticity standards, which could help combat the spread of disinformation and ensure that citizens receive accurate information from these systems. Yeah, let's walk through each one to explore in a bit more depth, starting with allowing private citizens to sue under California's bot transparency law. Yeah, so California often sets the tone when it comes to these kind of forward-thinking technology policies. 
as evidenced in areas like privacy and electric vehicles, um, which we've seen recently. So it's perhaps unsurprising that the state has already developed this AI transparency law on the books. Yeah. And the California legislature, they did pass the Bolstering Online Transparency Act in 2018 as a response in part to the influence of Russian bot armies on the 2016 election. Law makes it illegal for anybody to use a bot to sell something or politically influence a Californian, quote, with the intent to mislead the other person about its artificial identity. Now, that could include AI chatbots misrepresenting themselves as humans, which is a valid concern. In a recent Stanford University study, participants spent two days conversing with both real people and chat GPT bots and rated the bots as more human than the humans themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to make the law more effective, it needs an important element, though. It, it's what's called a private right of action so that victims of undisclosed bot communication can sue the bot's manager for damages. Yeah, the threat of lawsuits, it's been quite effective at curbing abuse of other automation technologies. For instance, Congress passed the Telephone Consumer Protection Act in 1991 to curtail automated robocalls and robofaxes, and courts later interpreted it to apply to spam SMS messages. A surge of TCPA lawsuits in the 2010s against companies who engaged in automated texting campaigns, it effectively scared most businesses away from mass text message marketing. And it's why U.S. consumers don't generally receive unsolicited commercial promotions over SMS from legitimate businesses. This doesn't include all of the mortgage <laughs> people trying to buy my house and ask me if I'm selling property, though. I just wanted to add that. You just have really good property, Mike. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> So it's always easier to amend an existing law than to create a new one from scratch. So if the California legislation makes this small tweak to the existing bot disclosure law, businesses and mischief-making individuals would suffer real financial consequences if they deploy bots to trick consumers into believing they are interacting with a real human. Since California-specific requirements are often de facto national requirements, we would see a lot of bots disclosing their artificial identities quickly, and customers who come to expect AI disclosure will demand even stronger protections in the future. Okay, so that was all under point one. Uh, moving on to point number two, uh, force cloud providers to abide by know your customer requirements for users of state-of-the-art AI processing chips. Yeah, a recent Twitter post providing instructions to create an ungovernable artificial general intelligence virus received more than 400,000 views. The author envisioned large language models that are able to self-replicate by using cryptocurrency to purchase access to clusters of graphics processing units, then offering to answer AI queries in exchange for more cryptocurrency to buy access to more clusters. Now, this particular recipe might not lead anywhere, but it's clear that access to powerful GPU clusters should come with some guardrails. Federal government clearly agrees they placed export controls on NVIDIA's most powerful A100 and H100 GPU models just last year. And it should consider placing more roadblocks to ensure that malicious actors, especially AI agents, can't train and deploy their own powerful AI models on state-of-the-art hardware 
if they're not tied to a legitimate business or research purpose. To prevent fraud and money laundering, U.S. law requires banks to enforce this know-your-customer requirements. And GPU cloud providers should broaden to similar requirements. This is a tiny one-time burden for a legitimate business or academic researcher who depends on access to these GPU clusters, but it would go a long way in preventing misuse by rogue humans and bots now alike. Now, it's unlikely that the federal or state governments could require KYC or GPU cluster access without legislation, but there may be a shortcut via procurement processes, which could include KYC as a requirement for cloud vendors who contract with government agencies. I mean, with Amazon, Microsoft, Google, all engaged in cutthroat competition for government cloud contracts, an additional onboarding step for GPU cluster customers would definitely be worth the cost and hopefully would kill questionable ideas like maybe Google's plan to let customers pay for their cloud bills with <laughs> cryptocurrency. Yes. So now on to point number three. Require media published by government agencies to follow digital authenticity standards. Yes, the latest generative AI models can make deepfakes that are honestly pretty indistinguishable from real content. And that's a big problem for democracy and society, not just because fake content might go viral and change the outcome of an election. That's a big one. That's a big reason. But also, it just it allows bad actors to dismiss, you know, bothersome real content as fake. Yeah. One group with a promising approach to the problem is the Coalition for Content Provenance and Authenticity, an industry initiative to use cryptographic signatures to authenticate visual media from the moment a camera captures it through editing and compression processes and eventually to when it reaches the eyeballs of a viewer on the Internet. If authentic media gets a special badge, then both social media distribution algorithms and customers themselves should view deep fakes without that badge skeptically. This initiative, like any standard, poses a classic chicken and egg problem. It's only as useful as it is popular. And how will it achieve popularity before it has utility? But government agencies could help push it past this initial barrier. For example, government could require any photographs or videos released by their agencies be properly signed and authenticated via the C2PA standard. Media at highest risk of forgery and doctoring, such as footage from police body cameras and feeds from ballot counting rooms, should be brought up to standard first. When actions like these may appear to offer a limited bulwark against the forecasts of mass unemployment and doomsday scenarios, regulators should not just sit on their hands. Small victories will inspire confidence from both the public and policymakers, tackle more challenging problems, and take on larger fights in the years to come. Yes, and so all of that, it's going to wrap things up for this week. We got into the weeds there, um, but it's all its all pretty interesting. And, and Michael, I hope you got your fill of regulatory talk. You know, I think I did. I did. The research was a lot of fun on this one. <laughs> well, good. That's going to wrap things up. So for Michael Saka, I'm Mike Belsito, and this is Rocketship.fm. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network. And if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. 
Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.